On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are exploring the finer points of work-life balance in Severance on Apple, finding out what would happen if everyone had murdered Ali Sheedy in The Breakfast Club in One of Us is Lying on Netflix, and watching a story all about how Will's life got flipped, turned upside down, except without the comedy, in Fresh Prince, dramatic retelling, Bel Air. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that, like The Book of Boba Fett, will endeavour to throw literally everything we can think of at this week's finale in an attempt to distract from the main character's major shortcomings, up to and including deployment of a possibly depressed rancor. But to do that, I am, of course, joined with the Fennec Shand and Black Stanton of the Pilot TV Podcast, uh, Beth Webb and Boyd Hilton. Hello. You know, I, I never get these references, and for all I know, you were calling me just a massive piece of shit. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I was calling Boyd a, a you know a violent badass Wookiee, and you are professional assassin Fennec Shand, played by Ming Na Wen. Oh, cheers! Oh, of course you are. Oh, I, uh, yeah, yeah, I will take that actually. Thank you. Hang on. So, so I'm sure you've been watching Book of Boba Fett. I'm not making this up. <laughs> I've been watching it, but you talk so quickly. Sometimes. Oh, I see. I'm I really see. can't keep up. It's like please stalking, enunciate. Stalking. I see. That's what Beth's saying. Right. Okay. <laughs> I didn't hear. What, who am I? You're Black Stanton, played by a Wookiee. Uh, oh, a Wookiee. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wookiee yeah. with nunchucks. Fine, fine. I yeah, I like that. Nunchucks? Does he have nunchucks? No. Oh He's... no, he has like a knuckle duster type thing. Yes, he has it? like electric spiky knuckles. Yeah, not, not I like nunchucks. the old Wookiee though. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's, 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 he's quite cool. Quite cool Wookiee. Did you watch? The Book of Boba Fett. I have not finished the. Fi- I've not watched the finale. No. Yeah, I've finished um, it. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Thoughts. But... <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> So, right. so many of this week's listener questions, if not all of them, were what went wrong with the book of Boba Fett? Oh. Uh, can you name any other series, apropos of absolutely nothing, where the main character is extremely tedious and the worst part of the show? You know, <laughs> presumably nothing to do with the book of Boba Fett. So there was a lot of this stuff going on. But uh, obviously the book of Boba Fett has finished. Yeah. It did finish last Wednesday. Uh, we recorded our final spoiler special podcast for the book of Boba Fett. So if you want to hear five people kick the shit out of a bounty hunter, <laughs> that's a good place to go. EmpireOnline.com slash spoiler specials. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> well, even the what, what the finale. Oh, or, the finale was terrible. Yeah, but the yeah. previous two episodes were, were good. The previous two episodes yeah. were good. The four before the, that the, were terrible. The finale presumably had to bring back yeah, Boba Fett. Boba Fett, and therein lies <laughs> the problem. Earnest, in but also, it. like it was an hour of just ill-conceived, slightly poorly staged. Uh, I thought action sequences and terrible, terrible tactical decisions, uh, and it just it felt like genuinely. I've said it before. It felt like people playing with Star Wars figures. It's just like let's have a rancor yeah. and do this. And what if they jumped in the air and. It was just like that. And yeah. I just, <laughs> I just I'm, I'm not here for it. I'm not here for no. it at all. No, I wasn't here for Sophie Thatcher's awfully, exactly plummy accent. Oh my God, wasn't it special? That's why? She went for Bridget Jones, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> no, no, this was the other thing. I don't really understand why. It was just, again, it was like a play box of, oh, what if we, we tried this? Yeah. But it made absolutely, <laughs> it absolutely made, made no sense whatsoever. It was really distracting. Yeah. Um, and I resented it, especially because I thought the previous two had been so good then to go back to what yeah. we'd had previously made it hurt twice as much yeah and it's just that that whole show is is done. ill-conceived it's mm. done are we getting a second season I, I very strongly hope not like so Cassie and Andor as we'll get onto in the news section everything's gone up in the air today uh, has been renewed for a second season even though it hasn't even aired the first wow. season the reason I know this is because Stellan Skarsgård was saying once he's finished Dune part two he's going to do season two of Cassie and Andor 
Classic. Um, that's a classic um, kind of slightly in a bubble um, actor isn't it saying something they probably shouldn't have said yeah. oh yeah and I'm going to season yeah. two of this and everyone's like you yeah. are now it's made massive news give a, doesn't give a yeah. shit about the sudden announcement it's supposed to care. be made yeah. Yeah. but Obi-Wan Kenobi is arriving soon isn't it it is I mean, we're just throwing right. everything oh, is to that the news? is this that is news no, fuck it let's do the news section <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry yes yes. 25th of May is going to be the Obi-Wan Kenobi series we saw the poster that broke and it showed him walking through the sands of Tatooine I don't know about you, but having me stuck on fucking Tatooine for the last like seven episodes of Boba Fett, I am not keen to return. Yeah, so I don't know for that sand. Yeah, so, someone Thank did you. tweet about how boring the location Tatooine <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah, so I hate sand fact. more than Anakin Skywalker at this point. Yeah. It just is so tedious. Mm. So yeah, I'm. I mean, look, I'm interested to see everyone Kenobi. Um, yeah, we're all interested. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, slightly. This slightly, sorry, yeah. this slightly makes you dread it more than dread it. Run but from I it. I think what this has that the other is lacking is, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier in the Empire Office. Is a really surely not Empire Office talking about Star Wars. <laughs> what? Um, we were talking about the stellar. She says typing into IMDb the absolutely stellar supporting cast, which is something yes, that I yes. think looks incredible. Yeah, uh, Boba Fett was really lacking, as we've we've spoken about. But yeah, Kamal Nanjiani, obviously. I'm excited for Benny Safdie, man. Mm, I think that's going to be great. Benny Safdie does a Star War. Rupert Friend, who I think is is always really good in everything I see him in. Uh, is Benny Safdie the one who the Safdie brother who is in Licorice Pizza? Yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. He's, yeah. he's having such an yeah. interesting so good, career. Yeah. I, I'm really here for him. Uh, Moses Ingram, great. So yeah, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Let's do it. Yeah, good people. Mm, good yeah, people. good people. And of so, course, the main people are good. I mean, you know, you and McGregor is is great. You know, yeah. he was the best thing about yeah, those I mean, terrible films. But it is one of these things. I think we've long kind of established that the reason why you and may not have been at his best in those films is that he was tackling with some genuinely awful dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so was, I think he emerged from them with his with his reputation intact. So yeah. I think you know. Yeah. Um, so you know, to do Obi Wan, but mm, like written differently, mm, that's surely yeah. a good thing for him. Yeah. 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 So, okay, Not okay. George kind of excited news. about that. So that was news. Let's go back to introductions <laughs> and what we've been watching. Um, I'm going to start by saying that I've given up on Snowpiercer. Okay. Oh, it's I've, stopped. Stopped. I've turned. How I've many turned weeks from into season three are we? I watched the first two episodes of season three and I think I've stopped. Oh. Now. I haven't even watched the first two. Is so Sean, Sean Bean not doing it for you anymore? I, I hate Sean Bean in this show so much. Oh, wow. And that's one of the problems. Because he's, he's, he's very, very, very over the top to the point where he just rubs me up the wrong way because he's so just deliriously Machiavellian, just so stupidly villainous that it just strains all credulity like he's he's so just extremely malignant at all times mm. Mm. and he's just and it doesn't make sense he has all these people slavishly following him it's like dude you're just a raging bellend there is absolutely no way you can be evil but like charismatic but he's not he's mm. just a dick and so and I just he winds me up and and obviously Jennifer Connelly spoiler isn't it anymore so um, yeah I, I think I'm I that's think a I'm, big loss isn't it I think I'm done yeah. Jen Connelly not being in it I'm snow pierced so... that's wow. a shame because I mean sexy nasty Sean being on a train was the definitive yeah. from Goldeneye for me. So if uh, if you can't keep up that level of finish the job, James, buy me a pint. <laughs> no, that's a shame. I like um, David Diggs. Yeah, um, he's very good in it. He's, he's very good. Very very mm. good. I also recommend. He's in a wonderful animation uh, called Central Park from the creators of Bob's Burgers. Which yeah, not going to watch that. Of course you're not. Because mm. that's on Apple TV. Isn't that's Apple on TV Apple TV. Yeah. That's one where it's like Stanley Tucci yes. plays a octogenarian. Yes. Yeah, loads woman. of people say that's really good. Yeah, yeah. You should, well, yeah. I did in uh, our no, interview. You, yes, with Stanley Tucci. Excellent. Um, 
Yeah. I'm not even. I know. I know. I might check it out. I'm a bit of a Tucci um, uh, completist, so I might actually check it out. It's got great voice cast. It's got great Great voice cast. cast. Great cast. Catherine Hans in it. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you giving up on? um, Yeah, that's that's what I've been watching. You haven't been watching. Well, no, I did. I watched. I watched the second episode, and and I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm 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 finished. He's walking away. Damning indictment. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I watched in in the um, what you series you finished Mm. um, uh, segment as as brilliantly suggested by our one of our listeners whose name we've forgotten. Obviously, apologies. (laughs) Um, I finished No Return, the Sheridan Smith drama that we had a lively discussion about last week with your pompous anti-ITV agenda. (laughs) On a scale of one to ten, point, how ITV was the finale? (laughs) Well, all I'd say is the finale, I think the... um, Remember what I was saying about there's that one moment in the um, episode two when when they talk about... The couple talk about how the the homophobic thing that dad said to the boy had a huge impact on his life. Well, I think the finale has a really impressive resolution in terms of the boy talking about the experience he's had and the explanation of kind of why he does, I'm trying not to spoil it, of why he he kind of doesn't give a fulsome account of what happened, if you like, with the other boy that he's alleged to have sexually assaulted. It really rang true. Mm. Um, I, and so in the end, I was even more impressed with it, actually, mm. than I was after Is there watching. a rancor? There's no rancor, right. no. There's rancor. Okay, good. Yeah. A depressed, um, depressed rancor. <laughs> yes. Um, and the, only, the other thing I was going to bring up about it that struck me is you know how there's the whole side plot involving the sister and her partner, yeah. her husband and the kid, right? Yeah. The, the husband was going off and doing weird stuff, yeah. visiting. You remember at one point he visits a place, a mysterious place where they're on holiday and right. she's assuming he's having an affair. You kind of assume he's having an affair because she const- she's constantly looking at his phone mm. and all that. Anyway, that whole subplot, which obviously does get resolved. But what struck me watching this was that this is a four-parter and I do wonder whether, you know, whether it was intended to be a four-parter and that that element, this whole subplot with the with which is kind of completely different subject matter from the main plot mm. was added in later or was added in because ITV wanted to I have no idea. I could ask Daniel Brockhurst. I'm you know if I, I'm sure I should have done maybe in advance. But what struck me is that loads and loads of series these days, limited series particularly, that have a you know an episode count four, five, six, seven, eight episodes or whatever, mm. do this thing where there's the main storyline which is what the thing that, if you like, the log line, the, the pitch, the one end sentence pitch that you know about the show and you're expecting to watch. And then there's all kind, often two or three subplots added in that aren't really even thematically that connected. To the, <laughs> do you know what? And I feel it's like a quite a recent phenomenon. So I'm kind of asking the question because I'm sure back in the day you'd get two or three part like psychological thrillers mm. on the main channels and that would be that. And there would just be the main thing and that would be the plot and you'd just resolve that plot. There'd be a big and middle end. Whereas more and more, I think, there were kind of these side plots and kind of things, particularly on the streaming mm. dramas. And it's a slight, often, and in this case, even though I really, really liked No Return, I think it's really impressive and you know, everyone in it was great. I just slightly think might have it been better if it was just on. Is enough to have that whole story yeah. of a sixteen-year-old boy accused yeah. of sexually assaulting another boy on during holiday. That's enough for me. That storyline, and it could have sustained two, maybe three episodes. But they had this whole other side thing that slightly, for me, detracted from it. I think that happens quite a lot. That mm. why not just do the main story? It's yeah. it should be enough. Anyway, I know this is kind of a thriller slash limited series recent thing. It's obviously the classic TV procedural model is, you know, A plot, B plot, C plot. Yeah. Whereas when you have limited thrillers, then you kind of just need the A plot, don't you? That's yeah. what yeah. it is. It's, exactly. it's a sprint for the finish line. It's not a marathon. Yeah. Um, 
Or at least I remember it was Sophie Petzl's um, Hollington Drive, which was, I think, four parts. I think I think, I think that was. worked really well yeah. because because it was one family and how one incident affects all the different members of the family differently. But it was still essentially one big story mm. with enough characters to sustain it without you thinking, oh, this is you know just a whole different thing. Whereas I think in even though it was you know it was the sister and her partner in this case, it just felt like a side, whole side thing that wasn't part of the main. Anyway, that's the other thing I've watched and finished is This Is Going To Hurt because I did the review ah. for Empire. Um, I've watched, when we reviewed I've watched the first four. Mm. I don't know how far you are into it now. Just one, Dale. Right. What, so what the tra- I have to say, because the publicist mentioned this to me, I thought when when um, I had the four episodes, this is, this is inside baseball, but I had the four episodes on our BBC preview, the BBC mm. preview site, and I watched them all. And then I thought I was going to have the whole thing and the other three would be mm. there before I, I interviewed Adam Kay, the creator and writer, etc. But in fact, they were, if you clicked on the link for the final three, it said you have to ask the publicist's permission to get this one. So I, I didn't I didn't see those before I'd interviewed Adam Kay or before we did a podcast. Then he, they made those available, the final three. And I have to say... Again, without spoiling it, it goes from absolutely brilliant, tremendous, deeply moving. The episode dealing with the possible um, uh, abuse, domestic abuse, is, mm. I thought, astonishing. Mm. One of the best depictions I've ever seen that. And then, honestly, that doesn't prepare you for the fucking roller coaster ride that is the final three episodes. Wow. And that, honestly, I cannot <laughs> exaggerate how profoundly devastating things get in the final three episodes as I'm going to say okay and um it's it's incredible it's and I mean just every, every the acting writing and just the way it tackles things is astonishing so I, it has gone from wow. and everyone's talking about how brilliant it is already yeah. all, I think all seven episodes are on iPlayer oh they're up are they? yeah they're up um but I think when you finish it you're yeah. like oh my god this this fucking thing was incredible wow. yeah I think I want to watch that as much as James doesn't so yeah hey really, I, really, I want to watch really, it even though <laughs> devastating is not really yeah. my, my jam. No, it's not your jam. <laughs> no. But, yeah, so it's almost like a part warning for James, actually. Yeah. Oh, get God. Ready. See, now you're making me dread it. Sorry. <laughs> um, but it is absolutely astonishing. It's definitely a, a, a contender for drama of the year already. already. Along with No Return. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> along with, certainly along with The Responder, <laughs> the, the previous. Oh, yeah. Showing yeah, that um, slot. Yeah, Martin. Yeah. So those are the two things that I finished and... Yeah, well, someone, and because we're upending the order of all things in this show, one of the many suggestions we had for questions was someone was saying, in fact, I'm going to find it, um, it's from Adam Avery, and he was saying, uh, he'd been asked before, but he said weekly releases versus binge watching, and he was pointing out that the shows that we're able to binge, like the Apple shows, tend to get less talking time on this show than the week by week ones, because obviously naturally we'll watch it all, and then we're kind of done, That's and we've moved on. Yeah. Whereas when stuff goes on week by week, we'll bring it up again, and again, like Book of Boba Fett, I've talked about that show more on here yeah. than, I mean... Well, so actually, many other things. But weirdly, Apple actually what Apple does now is they have two or three episodes initially, mm. then it is week by week. Yeah. In fact, Severance that we're going to review later is like that. Well, I mean that is, that is I think true. All those, that, that, it's very rare they drop the whole thing. But that now. but uh, but see now we're talking in terms of <laughs> consumer facing. So that's true for them, but it's not true for oh, us. Oh, I see. So we get oh, access to right. all the episodes oh, and then we've watched them. Right. And then even though I guess it's playing out week by week, we maybe don't talk about it. I mean, that's not true of me and Foundation and C, obviously. I was just going to say. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I think we've all just proven that 
<laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, technically, there's there's a logic there, and it's a really, really good point, but caution to the fucking wind when you get started on Expanse. Or Squid I Game, saw... I think we spoke about over yeah. like four episodes mm. because someone chimed in. Because <laughs> I finally really discovered it was a late to about this. I'm just late to the party. Yeah. <laughs> but Expanse, I watched all of them before we reviewed it on the show, and I guess that didn't stop of me from banging on about it ad nauseum mm. for about another six months. No. Yeah. And so. so yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. So I think, Adam, sorry, we may have disproved your, your theory here. And in terms of what he's actually saying, in terms of streaming versus versus week by week, as we've said before, like I'm so entitled. I need them all in my face now. Give me all of them. I want yeah, to binge same, things. Same. But like, when I watched Reacher like, and I watched it over the weekend, I had such a lovely time <laughs> just that weekend, just watching back-to-back mm. Reachers. And I was had a big old smile on my face. <laughs> oh. Big old tub of ice cream in my lap. And I was just like, wow, yes. I know, it was amazing. And, you know, but that's, 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 that's just heaven. Whereas actually, if I watch one and be like oh be another you know seven weeks until I know how this ends like that's not fun is it well sometimes it works really well and you know we're going to come around and talk about it again but the <laughs> yellow jackets I loved yeah. looking forward to that time in my week when we would be sitting down and getting ready to community like I've got you know whatsapp groups of, of girlfriends and being like ah what's going to happen tonight I think this I think that like that in that respect I really really enjoyed those rare examples where they are mm. weekly and you've got that build you know it was like when Lost used to be on Wednesday nights on channel 4 as someone who had four channels like being able to I remember being at college and just being like oh my god it's lost tonight what's going to happen is Charlie going to be okay you can't mention lost you might trigger Boyd no no you're right I was the same <laughs> until it went until they fucked it up yeah until they fucked it up yeah. brilliantly yeah completely that yeah. um, no, a massive event yeah weekly you, event it's true I mean, also like but even goes the other way like Book of Boba Fett I'm so fucking glad that was week by week I couldn't have survived watching no. one of those in one go Is I don't I honestly think if Boba Fett had all dropped at once I just wouldn't have finished it like genuinely also, I wouldn't have finished you're it you're talking like someone is, is forcing you to watch them one after the other where it's entirely your choice it's entirely your yeah, choice yeah but that's like it. saying this but that's like saying if you have a pack of ginger biscuits and you've opened it, it it's entirely your choice to eat them all and stuff them all in your face and not just have one or two. But we all know that's not the case. The back is open. It must be eaten. Well, that says a lot about you. Uh, and that's exactly the comparison. It's a very good comparison. Have some fucking discipline and eat one by one and don't eat them all in one go. Not possible, don't consume boy. it all in one it's go. It's not possible. Having said that, the um, seven hours I spent watching Succession, season three, when HBO gave it to us on a Sunday night yeah. before it went out, I, I consumed the whole thing and finished about, about 3 a.m. was one of the greatest seven hours of my life. So. All right. All right, here's here's a twat test for you. Do you enjoy binging a show even more if you're the only one who's able yes, to binge of course. it? <laughs> I've said this before. People say to me, you know, when anyone asks you what's, what's the best thing about your job, seeing stuff before everyone else is one of the great privileges. Except, except, and I have said this many, many times before, like when you are a film critic, you get invited to lovely screenings like we did last night at Sir Uncharted. They gave me popcorn, there were drinks, it was always lovely, it's very civilised. So on a lovely big screen, sitting in a lovely reclining seat. And then lovely. when I have to watch a TV show early, I get to watch it not often in standard definition with my fucking name taking up the entire screen. Oh so I'm like, God, I'm yeah. looking through it, I can, there's, there's movement behind my name. Yeah, Is that much, a spaceship? It's unclear. How much more can this privilege? Um, <laughs> you're right, but just fucking deal with it. But, still, I, for me, the, the, the privilege of getting it first it overrides all of that. And I've complained about that before. Yeah. Do you know what? Kudos to Apple TV Plus, yes. though. Yes. 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 They have a tiny little thing of I your know. name floating around. And it's yeah. genius because it just yes. says Jade and it just pops up and then disappears. And yeah. it's barely noticeable. Oh, this is so but it moves around. And I was like, this is lovely. The Apple screener is one of my new favorite ones. Yes. Yeah, Although I will say, one of the shows that we uh, we watch later on today, which, uh, which was um, Sky's News. So Sky have a new screening portal. They've obviously spent an awful lot of money and they've completely upgraded it. And I will 
will say, while it annoys me they don't have an app, so I can't watch it natively, like on my device, I was airplaying it from my phone, and it didn't have any watermark of any kind on it. And that kind of blew my mind a little bit, like yeah, early yeah. Show, without any semblance yeah, of a right, watermark. Right. Same with ITV. You can do, ITV stuff yeah, doesn't have watermark. Who's pirating that? Oh, um, <laughs> if you go back to four-channel four on a Wednesday, waiting yeah. for a loss to come in and be yeah. like, Beth, you're going to be complaining about watermarks on your Apple TV I mean, Plus yeah. previews, she'd have probably told me to fuck off. Yeah. We are the worst people in the world. I'm telling James to fuck off now. But but and you know and I'm and you know and I love I love Amazon. Sorry, Prime Video. I love Prime Video to bits. But if anyone oh, high they, up at Prime yeah. sort your screeners out. I swear to God, like the watermark on the Prime stuff is beyond a joke. It's just so insanely large. Uh, I just yeah that. Genuinely, it's like, I, yeah. please, please yeah. stop. I yeah. had to watch The Expanse like that and it hurt me more than I could possibly tell you. All right, anyway, so that was the privilege section. Yeah, we, we haven't heard what Beth's yeah, been watching yet yeah, by the BTW. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What have you been watching with or without Watermark? <laughs> well, I wanted to come back to you, Boba Fett, just to say, partly without finished yet, and also the Wookiee, thinking about that Wookiee, I want to Wookie give a, a special podcast shout out to the cats of this week's episode, Virgin oh, yeah, Balthazar, yeah. who um, our social media editor, Sophie Butcher, has retweeted from the Pilot TV podcast. They do look like a couple of Wookiees. They're incredible, beautiful cats. Big raggedy bellies. I don't know if they've got knuckle dusters. I hope huh. they do. Or nunchucks. Um, or nunchucks. Maybe one as one, maybe one as the other. And then someone went as far as to tweet us a photo of the water fountain. Yes, I was But impressed. there's a little a little daisy in the middle and it comes off there. So yeah, I think I feel like there. you should post the, the I think our yes, listeners God, need yeah. to see yeah, Risky's drinking fountain. <laughs> and I think I think yeah. you should Especially you should... in this week of cat cruelty let's just say you know the story you know this footballer you haven't heard about this footballer who's shown on video do I want video. to hear about this yeah, do we want to hear about this well, I'm going to condemn I'm not sure we want to hear about it well, so, so, let's just say something happened to a I can't cat believe, that was bad I'm used to James not being aware of anything happening in, in popular culture but maybe your cat loving yeah. thing yeah. Yeah. well all I'll say is a footballer Premier League went full Flanagan called Kurt Zuma um, was shown on video filmed by his own brother who thought this was good to put up on the internet being cruel to a cat and Aww. honestly it's horrendous genuinely horrendous I do not go don't, don't go no, I won't be it. looking at that no but, and, and West Ham the club he plays for in the morning of this was discovered it happened West Ham said we will be disciplining him they played him later that day in, in, the, in the game they let him play after this it was shown on video it's not an allegation he's literally shown on video large as life being cruel to horrendously cruel to this cat in front of his own kid by the way this feels well. like the kind of thing you get it's sacked and cancelled for right yeah. and exactly a normal person would be sacked but they've, they're, they're keeping him on they played him in the game that day it's absolutely fucking disgrace so yeah, uh, yeah. sorry but... well you've Brought the tone of this podcast yeah. down a couple no, of notches. Thanks, Boyd. Uh, that's lovely. We are a cat loving. Well, yeah, I it's am good to have a cat, a bit of cat love to yes. to offset that. Yes, horrendous. Both is our worky cats. Um, so yeah, finished Bobber, and then I finished State. No, I didn't finish Station Eleven. But and do you know what? After last week's episode, so many people have come to me, DMing me, coming and being like, "Stick with it, stick with it." So I'm I'm going back here. Have you finished all of it? I haven't. Like I say, unfortunately, like I've I've got fallen down this West Wing hole, which I deliberately. I wasn't going to bring up this week but I have been watching a lot of West Wing and I'm comfort watching stuff I don't know what to tell you I'm not feeling apocalyptic this week and I get that but I yeah I'm going to dive back in I think because I have now finished 
archive 81 and thought it was absolutely fucking brilliant i thought it was so great i thought the way it ended was it, astonishing i'll be honest there were a few episodes mid-season mm. where i was like I, I just don't i did walk away for a bit come back and still knew what was going on um but i thought it finished in such a brilliant way and i actually so uh, the empire 500 episode in which the three of us got our asses absolutely handed to us in the uh, in the. We don't talk about that, Beth. We don't. We don't talk about that. I mean, I take it. The in quiz jest. that didn't happen. The, the quiz. quiz. That, it would have killed them to have a TV round. That's all I'm saying. Oh, completely, it was unfair. Yeah, yeah. Right. Unfair. we were I, robbed. Yeah, we were. Well, um, I'm be, not saying it was entirely best fault, but you know. Oh, at the, at the end, I was I was leaning back in my chair. I didn't. Even, it was like a buzzer. So you you know you had to press a buzzer. And it was. I wasn't even. I was sort of looking around, just seeing who was in the crowd. But one of our uh, wonderful guests uh, was Kate Heron of Loki and Sex Education fame and I had the most brilliant 20 minute chat with her in our green room about telly like chatted for ages I could have spoken to her all night wow. Um but she was asking what telly to watch and what telly she should recommend to her dad. And so I said, Archive 81. And I said, the score is actually a lot like Loki's score. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's got this beautiful aesthetic to it as well. Really interesting story. Really loved it. Also, she had a cracking Yellow Jackets theory that I'd never heard before. Wow. If I say spoiler now, and if I say <laughs> next next minute or so, don't listen. Is that how it works? I don't I do not do spoiler warnings yeah. on here. Yes. James is what? looking at you like you're mad. I don't know you? why. It's quite oh, it, depends, it depends what you're going to spoil, I oh. guess. I mean, it's sure. only a theory. It's not. It's not. It's not a. Um, it's not proof, is it? It's not All something right. she knows. No, but she said what she would really like to see as a satisfying twist as a TV writer. So, is that the cult leader in the current day? She would be really interested to see that that's not Lottie, which is who we all think it is, but Shauna's baby from the island, the wood baby, because oh. she's like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the baby's not the the redditors and people have surmised that the her her daughter today is not the same it's not age the, that the, she the really island should baby. be. Yeah, it's well, not wood the island baby. baby. Yes, it's not wood island, baby. Is it? yeah. so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it's the kind of truth she's they could like, do. How it? Yeah. fucking great would it be yeah. if they're confronted with the cult leader and she's like, "Hi, mum," or mm. yeah, that would yeah, be that great. Mean, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah. So I thought that was I, interesting. I also had an extremely long conversation with uh, with Kate Heron. You, I, got, I had half an eye on you because I was like, do I need to pretend yeah, that I, she's genuinely, on stage genuinely, It was right one of these things where she was looking at me with the same kind of glazed expression that you two do when <laughs> I bang on about The Expanse. Uh, I have yeah. no idea what I was banging on about, but I think I was excitedly talking so about PlayStation excited. games. Like she made the mistake of saying, oh yeah, I need some new games. I was like, right, right. <laughs> wow. Have you got 40 minutes? And I started reeling off all these games. Like, oh, you need to play Last of Us. And then, oh, have you played the Annapurna games? And we go through Horizon. And it's like, yeah. yeah. She, I was through as well at this, in this time and um, in, the, in the green room and I of course didn't introduce myself to Kate Heron and only because you you're know TV's when, Boyd Hilton you don't yeah, yeah but no I don't think she had no idea who I, who I was oh, and I sure felt really bad did. and because you know what it was she was deep, deep in conversation probably with you or Helen was there as well Helen O'Hara yeah. was there and you know if you miss the, the opportunity to introduce yourself to someone kind of as soon as they see you yeah. you know in, in, in the it's just too late after that it was like I couldn't after about an hour of being there and hanging <laughs> and, and you know <laughs> listening to conversations happening next to me suddenly go by the way I am Boyd Hilton I am TV's I, Boyd Hilton Okay, have we been introduced? Yeah. <laughs> but having said that, I did get to have a lovely show with Brett Goldstein, yeah. who is the greatest He's awesome. of individuals. Guy. We had a fantastic moment where, I mean, it wasn't fantastic for me because I was trying to get his car. <laughs> but yeah. in a in a base, like a windowless room without any signal, trying to get his car sorted. But signal issue was while he was so. waiting for the car, Johnny Knoxville, who yes. was also one oh, of our guests, great. Yes. came over to him and was like, 
did you see this? He's like, I, did. I loved her yeah. lasso. Yes, fantastic. So that in itself, yeah. incredibly stressful for me, but worth <laughs> it. So I go in as Johnny Knox will come over and say yeah. that he loves uh, Ted Lasso. And, that and, was a beautiful moment, you're right. Yeah. 100%, yeah. 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 And Brett was very gracious and sweet and yeah. not at all the short-tempered Roy that we exactly. kind of know exactly. as. Exactly. Yeah, funnily enough. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. I have no idea We've how this really conversation diverted started. diverted there, didn't we? Where did we start? Uh, um, Archive 81. Yeah, Archive 81, yeah. which I, but by the way, I also finished ages ago and didn't say, so thank you for reminding me of that because yeah. I loved it as well. I did yeah. love the ending as well. There's 100%. a closing shot that will oh, send chills down your spine. Yes. Yeah. It was really, really good. Yeah. Loved it. James, just actively looking at his watch there. So that is. <laughs> well, probably me quite rightly done, thinking we've got both all got a hard out. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, we didn't make us late before. No, that is true. It is my fault that we are starting late. Well, now would be the time when we've gone into a listener question, but since we've already done a listener question and news, I don't know, do we need another one? Let me have a look. Uh, so what do we got here? I mean, kind of lots of Boba Fett moaning. We've definitely covered that. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, look, so Dust Ginge uh, wanted to know, does the pod think that some streaming services doubling down on certain properties is actually a bad thing? It appears like there are four or five Star Trek shows coming up. Is this too much of one thing? Now, obviously, where I've been... write this under a fake yeah. name? Where I've been facetious, <laughs> I would go, no, no, it's not. It's the best. But he's absolutely right. Yes, it is. Of that course. touches on there is news, isn't there? If you no, but there's, there is Star Trek news. In oh, news. someone you know? someone called me out last week, by the way. Oh, yeah. By, because I called Strange New Worlds Brave New World. I misnamed a Star Trek show. Oh. And so I was quite rightly pulled up for that. That was me misspeaking. So traumatized was I from having to watch all of and review Brave New World. That is quite funny. Um, but yeah, no, but I think this is a fair point. And like, we are in a situation where certain people, you know, <clears throat> Paramount, <clears throat> Disney, are milking the living shit out of certain IPs. And you do get franchise fatigue from stuff. Um, yeah. like Star Trek definitely won Star Wars is definitely won Marvel less so because I think generally speaking Falcon Winter Soldier side, they've actually done some very good shows oh definitely um, but you know the Star Wars stuff worries me but if you think about it it's, it's been like that in films for decades isn't it I mean, yeah you but know, I think films... there's, there's less of it like if a film comes out and then a year or two years later another one comes out yeah oh, that's fair enough but when it's just like oh my mm. god we've got fucking 15 of them in the next mm. two months like mm. it just becomes a little bit oppressive and yes Sean no one's forcing me to watch these things that's absolutely true but they are because it's my job <laughs> yeah it is your job I, I, yeah I get it I, I, th I, just, I think it's a bit much to think that you know if you're the boss of Disney Plus mm. you've got to fill you know get more and more subscribers and you're and you're a rival to Netflix and they're not gonna go down the IP I of know. your biggest I know. thing I and milk it for all it's worth it's oh, just yeah. kind of like of course they're gonna do that the only the problem is the quality if, if, if Boba Fett had been brilliant yeah. as the Mandalorian yeah, was no one would complain no one would of complain course, it's, of it's course. down to the quality yeah. but we said end. this when Falcon and Winter Soldier was. we got WandaVision fantastic we got Falcon and Winter Soldier and we were like oh. yeah. but then that, they had other good ones after because that because so I think you're, you're in we're in danger of. I take the, the listener's point but we're, I, I think we're always in danger if you just slag off the idea of milking a, a, an IP or a thing mm. or a franchise for the sake of it when in fact it's the obvious thing to do and every, everyone does it with any anything of value for me, like Marvel is the classic example. When people slag off, you know, when Martin Scorsese is slagging yeah. off, you know, or anyone really doing it for the sake of it, what they're actually missing, and, and I say this as not even as the least big Marvel fan in the room, if not the floor where we work, mm. um, I still appreciate actually that there's that mo almost every Marvel film reaches a certain level of quality mm. yeah. that makes that criticism for me kind of completely misguided. If they were shit, you know, if there were loads of shit Marvel films, then absolutely fine. But they're not shit. They're actually they're, they're made with great care and attention, and often wit. Which so I think you know it's all about the quality. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, Star Trek. Obviously, I don't like all of the Star Trek shows no. that are currently out there, but that's only because at least two of them are animated. But um, <laughs> but you know. 
know, I, yeah, I get a little bit, but then I got like, so, okay, as we go out today, which is Monday, which is actually Valentine's Day, just for the, for the, for the hell of it. Um, we don't, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, Star Trek returns tomorrow. Discovery returns tomorrow to mm. Pluto TV. So I'll be back in the Star Trek zone. But that, you know, Discovery has lost me. I'm very excited that Picard is coming back, but Discovery has, has lost me a little bit. So I don't know, like sometimes I think doing fewer shows really well yeah. generally beats doing lots of shows not so well. Sure. Uh, but equally, they, they're, they're doing, like, something with Star Trek, they're trying very different things with very different demographics. Like, they are, they are, you know, they're spread betting in quite a big way. So, he says, using a gambling analogy, he doesn't really understand, but I'm sure it's fine. Um, you know, so, so I don't know what my point was. Anyway, it was going out, it's Valentine's Day, love you both, brilliant. Next. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving on. I mean, does anyone else have anything to say? I don't even know what part of the podcast we're on, quite frankly. No. What are we doing? I think we're about to do news. I are we? Yeah. I, I mean, who knows? Genuinely, and who this knows? This is an interview you've got to incorporate. No, 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 we have no, no interview this fine. week. We have no guest this week, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on whether you're editing the podcast or not. And it's me. And so that's less work for me. Um, let me bring up some news that well, we haven't Star already Trek covered. News. Did you see this Star Trek news? Is this the Starfleet Academy thing? No, this is this is, um, this is the centre seat, 55. Five years of Star Trek. Yes. The documentary series. I did get a press release about this. It's going to be on IMDb TV, mm. which you can get on the Amazon Prime video platform. Yep. But I'm genuinely excited about it. Why, you know, why the fuck haven't they done this before? An 11-part series celebrating the Star Trek um, uh, franchise, um, available to stream for Friday the 18th of March, quite soon. And it's going to look in-depth at the whole history of Star Trek oh. with brand new candid interviews with um, cast members, Leonard Nimoy, Nishon Nichols. I'm really excited about it, especially OG Star Trek. I look forward to, with great delight, the prospect of Beth watching this 18-hour documentary about the history of Star Trek. <laughs> I think you're fine we'll be reviewing it on the Pilot TV podcast, Beth, so uh, you may have no choice. I may have fallen down the stairs that week, whenever it is. <laughs> tripped over the cat. Yeah, tripped over the cat. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, so that's the thing that's happened, Obi-Wan. We have already spoken of. Uh, Futurama's coming back. Do you care about that? Nah. No. Well, hang I mean... on, hang on. Beth, Beth Doyen was... of all things animated. What's wrong with Futurama? <laughs> Nothing at all. I just, I just don't have that. I know people like prefer it to The Simpsons. I'm just, I just, I've just never picked it up, James. And Those no people to. are wrong, though. I mean, I mean yes, yeah. yes. I never, true, yeah, I so. never. I mean, it isn't. Just, it's gone now. This will be its third home, won't it? Because it, you know, it's gone around from place to place. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm not. You don't like it. No. But the, you have never, other fish to fry, it's not if you will. Very good. The, I mean, get that reference. <laughs> Did you ever see the Matt Groening Netflix show? No, with Abby Jacobson. The fancy one. The fancy one. Yeah. That was. Terrible. Um, I thought terrible. That's uh, not just because yeah. of our animation um, bias, anti-animation. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, some good um, trailers out. Have you seen the big trailer big week? Big trailer week. Big yeah. trailer week. The Lazarus Project. Have you seen that trailer from um, this is Joe Barton's new show? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the trailer, but I have heard good things. Who I didn't realise was the one that bought the Velvetizer. Yes, off the Velvetizer <laughs> purchased Joe Barton, a follower, listener to the pod, I believe, um, yeah. and follower of us on the Twitter. Uh, he's brilliant on Twitter, Joe Barton. By the way, he's so funny. Yeah. Even though, as I always say, he's a Spurs fan. <laughs> um, his this looks like hard sci-fi, James. I know you should be very excited. I am pretty excited. The trailer was fantastic. Yeah. I thought. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I heard it was good. I'm really, looking forward to seeing it. Papa Esiedu of I May Destroy You, yep. Gangs of London fame, who is fantastic. Fantastic in everything. Mm. Angie Mohindra, who's always very good, visual bodyguard. Tom Burke's in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we will love Tom Burke. Caroline Quentin, isn't it? It's like a, a, some kind of <laughs> scientific mastermind, which I think is brilliant casting. Um, and it just looked absolutely great. So I'm very, very um, excited about that. Eight part sci fi action thriller Lazarus Project coming soon on the sky. Um, and talking of 
Sorry, I'm just wittering on now, James. Sorry. But talking of Tom Burke, yes. there's also the announcement of the next I did see that. Strike. Troubled Bloods yes. is gone into production. There yes. was a picture of Tom Burke and Holiday Granger on uh, on the set of Strike. So I was very, very excited about that. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah. I love Strike. Yeah, I know. Love Strike. I, I love Strike as well. Um, we got first teaser trailer for Conversations mm. with Friends, which uh, is the new Sally. It's not the new Sally Rooney. It's the other Sally Rooney book. <laughs> the old the Sally Rooney book. <laughs> The old Sally Rooney book, but uh, I mean, it's only a matter of time, isn't it, until the latest is is gotcha. right to pick yeah. up again. But that looks great. Great cast. I love Sasha Lane. I'm glad that she's doing something quite meaty and interesting because I think she was grossly, that was my one big flaw with Loki, where she was grossly misused in that. Um, but that looks very interesting. The dropout, I am fascinated by the Elizabeth Holmes um, yes. story. Yes. Um, and Amanda Seyfried looks deranged and, and unhinged and like, frankly, never better to be honest honest um i'm gonna just because you mentioned sally rooney and because we're doing that this week uh i'm going back to listen to question i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna submit my on? own listener question now because it's valentine's day and i said what do you think is the most uh romantic tv show that you and and I'm going to ask you this, knowing that you've had no time you to prepare this whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And so well, obviously, it. the reason I'm mentioning this is because you mentioned Sally Rooney, and of course, the answer is of course normal, normal people. people yeah. uh, which is, is you know, it yes, a hundred percent. So where where do you fall on normal people? I think it is a show that is very honest about love, but in that respect, I would not say it is a romantic show whatsoever. Really? Yeah. It, I there is no doubt in the, the the solid nature of their love for each other, but I do not think that it romanticizes love at all I think if anything goes the other way and shows <laughs> just how fucking painful and upsetting and rewarding ultimately but like all the kind of flaws and scuffed ends of, of love definitely so I would not say you wouldn't sit down with your date and watch that would you I don't know really? I might this probably says a lot about me yeah. but um, no, but I think what it does is it, it, it applies the classic sort of storytelling hero's journey thing to romance where you know that like, the idea is that you have a hero and then you put them up a tree and then once they're up a tree you throw rocks at them and then a lion comes along and eats their foot and then a giant knocks down the tree like it just it keeps something bad has to keep happening and that's then like you have this core of their love at the beginning of it, at the, the heart of the show. Right. And then because they're both such fucking idiots, like, <laughs> and they I, I have a fundamental inability to communicate, like, everything just goes repeatedly wrong mm. until it doesn't. And yeah. then it does again. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I, I, I think the pain of it, that it, I think what makes it so yeah. brilliant in a way is to go think, going through that pain yeah. and that authentic emotional devastation that can happen. Yeah. And then eventually it being resolved yeah I think is what I, so I kind of agree with you on this one yeah, I think it is a brilliant you need romance. that don't yeah. you need I think to, it is, to struggle through it yeah. if they got together in episode one and they just had like blissful holidays yeah. in Tuscany for the remaining episodes it would be quite dull but but it is I mean it's really complex because when it starts off his relationship with her is so beyond unhealthy mm. it's not quite abusive but it's not fucking far off the way like he won't mm. admit to being he won't admit to the fact that he's sleeping with her like he's just really awful to her like completely it's like bullying it's 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 diminishing it's it's terrible and then his inability to speak means that he acts suddenly in her eyes like an awful way like he breaks up with her even though he doesn't want to just because he can't form a coherent sentence actually say well here's the problem I'm being evicted so I actually need somewhere to stay and, you know like very simple things like that and then she has all those self-worth issues from her awful family life oh it's so good I want to watch it again it's incredible but I just wouldn't say it's romantic I would be more inclined to even say something like 
West Wing is a really romantic show because... Is it? I mean, it romanticises politics, certainly. Exactly, but... because there's such a romantic notion. Everybody in that show and every Sorkin show and beyond, you know, there's, there's such good fucking people. Like, they care so much. They're so in love with what they do. And I think there's a real romanticism around that. So if we're not talking explicitly about shows about love I would say something like that is far more romantic than something that actually deals with the really horrible sides of love like normal people but does, does normal people deal with the horrible sides of love I think the love is the one thing in it that's pure and it's just everything else about the two of them like they are very fundamentally flawed human beings yeah. who are in love yeah. and it's the love that almost carries them through despite the baggage that they're carrying around with them and that you know not to spoiler but that confrontation between Connell and Marianne's brother at the end like there's such catharsis in that whole scene like it's just oh I fucking love it Uh, but yeah so like the romance like I got I get really swept up in the romance in that one I would what else would I say a recent example of one I found incredibly romantic was Starstruck yeah 100% absolutely love that Starstruck is is Starstruck is a core brilliant rom-com triumph yeah in every sense it's like yeah it's like the all the elements the great elements of a richard curtis film all the yeah. best elements, and none of the kind of often frankly flawed <laughs> bullshit I, I love richard curtis films but they are problematic aren't they i mean yeah. it's, it's, there's hardly a richard curtis film isn't deeply problematic whereas this because it's written by Matt, Matafeo, she there isn't any of that to worry about and, and actually the depiction of the central romance is, is also has a lot of the hurdles of course this whole point is overcoming the hurdles yeah but it's so believable yeah and authentic that central relationship it is. and so incredibly satisfying when they overcome a hurdle or two exactly yeah. it's yeah. really it's genius, joyful yeah. and yes. I think maybe to go back to that and I think I love normal people don't get me wrong I gave it five stars when we reviewed yeah. it but it is severely lacking in joy <laughs> Whereas, I like the way you subtly reminded James who asked you what you thought of normal people that you reviewed it and gave it five stars have you seen normal people because I really recommend it for you. <laughs> that, that, is, that was a classic little scumbag <laughs> <laughs> but um Something else that I, in my great big conversation with my new best friend, Kate Heron, something mm. that she just finished was Mythic Quest. And I oh, do yeah, have a lot of people to talk say, about that. Interesting. There is a bottle episode in the first season. Did you watch yes. Mythic Quest? Yes. Bo- I watched that bottle episode, yes. The bottle episode, <laughs> the first season of Mythic Quest. I was just like, it's really, really beautiful. It's got Jake Johnson in it, who, of course, is Nick and you girl. Lovely. Love story in that yeah. also uh, between Nick and um, you, you Deschanel. Um, yeah. But it's Jake Johnson and Kristen Milioti, who I, I love in absolutely everything I see her in. And there's a bottle episode starring the two of them. It's set in the 1990s and it's sort of attached to the the, the current Mythic Quest. It's written by um, Thingy McElhenney's sister as well. Right. Um, and it's, just, it's one of the most sorrowful but romantic and sweet episodes of telly I think I've ever seen by the end of it I was I was in absolute floods of tears but it is it is very very romantic and sweet and those two performers wonderful so the bottle episode of that episode of Mythic Quest I think is incredibly romantic yeah it was brilliant I remember thinking because everyone recommended us I watched it and then I watched other episodes and they didn't match up to the quality of that episode I'd mentioned Schitt's Creek um, I think the David Patrick romance in Shit's Creek, which only starts really in season three, I think, if anyone wants to <laughs> correct me, um, completely transformed that show. Mm. And I, I, I was entertained by it, you know, from the start. Yeah. But it's but it just that the slow burn of that romance and the 
and it's meticulously realistic. It's not overdone. It takes quite a long time for it to get going. Um, and the way that that ends up being the whole kind of triumph and ending of Schitt's Creek yeah. is is fantastically well handled, I think. That, that is one of the great TV romances, I think, of, of, of our time, he says quite pompously. <laughs> <laughs> That's normally my thing to do. Yeah. Um, okay, fine. Well, I believe we've answered my question there. James, yeah. if you have any other questions, please do send them to the Pilot TV Podcast at Pilot TV Pod on Instagram or Twitter or via Facebook so Sophie can pick them up um, back to news oh yeah back to news now yeah I'm very excited This is, they haven't released they released pictures and cast details of 10% which, which is, is call my agent call my agent yeah. the British yeah the forthcoming British version and I'm still I've said this before a bit but I'm fascinated by this show because I love call my agent yeah. absolutely fantastic and I love the fact that this John Morton, who is doing this British version, writing and creating it, of 2012 and W1A fame, I think is a genius, is a slightly undervalued genius. I mean, everyone got on board with 2012 and W1A, um, but even his previous shows I absolutely loved. There's a show he did called Broken News, which is, got quite slagged off at the time when it went out, which is basically like a sketch show built around the idea of flicking between hundreds of channels, and it's fucking hilarious, <laughs> I think. People like us, he did, brilliant genius. Anyway, he has a slightly, quite a different sensibility to call my agent, I think. So I think it's a really interesting creative th choice right. that he is doing th this version. And he's he has a very um, specific tone. He likes kind of the absurd um, in humour, quite often quite almost goofily silly, yeah. his, his shows, you know, in terms of like the wordplay and the punning and just the kind of general, he definitely embraces silliness. Yeah. Whereas Call My Agent is quite a kind of realistic, funny show. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, it's observations of actors and their agents and all that are, are brilliantly done. But it's not out, I mean, it have moments, but it's not on a on a minute by minute basis gag filled silliness that I think John Morton specialises in. So I'm fascinated by the coming together of these two creative things. And so anyway, I'm witchering on. They uh, the the full time cast: Jack Davenport, Lydian Leonard, Maggie Steed, um, etc. Have been um, uh, confirmed for a while, but they've announced that the cameos because the, the original French show is full of cameos like Sigourney yeah. Weaver's in it include Emma Corrin, Himesh Patel, David Harewood, and Clemency Posey. Yes, Posey. I believe it's Clemence. Clemence, <laughs> um, as well as Helena Bonham Carter, Olivia Williams, David Oyelowo, and Dominic West. I mean. Fantastic. I just cannot wait yeah. to see the show. I'm yeah. intrigued by the whole thing. And it's coming soon on the Prime Video. On the Prime Video. I love the Prime Video. Yeah. Um, apart from the screeners. Uh, yes, okay, good. What else is happening in the world of news? Some stuff happened. Uh, so Euphoria got renewed for a third season. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh, you know what I forgot to say? I'm so glad you mentioned the Euphoria thing very quickly. You know, as per your discussion, criticism of last week, you know, you know this week's episode, the one that went out this I've this month, back to it. what we've been watching, was the Excellent. genius episode. Sorry, that is the greatest episode of all time, isn't it? It's astonishing, the astonishing central yeah. drug drug episode, and basically. Yeah. What was the peen count in that particular well, one? Well, what were we down to? Maybe that, even, right? not even one. I think this is the non-peen episode. Peen. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Quite notably, maybe. Yeah. But that is an astonishing episode of TV, isn't it? Do you know what? I am, it was astonishing. I am coming around to it as well because I was having a big old moan to yeah. my friend about this and the melodrama of it. And she was like, yeah, but if anything, that's what it's like to be that age. People are stupid and dramatic and yeah, cheat yeah. on each other and do this. So she's like, if anything, it feels like much more authentic. And now that I've seen it like that, it makes a bit more sense to me. A bit more sense. But yes, 
It was an excellent episode. Yeah. Zendaya is going to win all the awards for that. She's, she is. She's just lined them up. And even, but everything about it, the direction of that episode, like how they did when she goes out into the freeway and the cars and all that, how they how they do those bits, fuck knows, but it's yeah. astonishing. It's extraordinary. Sorry, James, you have completely fucked up the, but you've already, you've already fucked up anyway. No, but no, yeah. it's all fine. We're still back to news. Should, should we have another listener question? I mean, like, no. you sure? Because I'm news. happy to. I love we've all got hard outs and you've chucked <laughs> yeah. two listener questions yes. and just completely rearranged the order. Yeah, well, you know. Thrilling. It's, it's a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is one of the less predictable, less like, formatted episodes about the podcast. It is like the podcast, podcast version of This Is Going to Hurt. It's an emotional <laughs> roller coaster. It is. It is. Um, okay, right. Is there uh, any more news? Is there any more news? Uh, she Hulk will be more comedic than other Marvel shows. I, to be honest, it's a half hour. They're saying it's comedic. I am 100% here for a half hour legal comedy starring She Hulk oh, as God. like an Ali McBeal type character. Just who that. occasionally loses, then hulks yeah. out and kills everyone in the room. Um, if they had that might be your theme song, I'd be very happy. <gasps> I love that theme song. Well, she goes down to the basement and Vonda Shepherd's playing the <laughs> piano. Like I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Dancing babies, all of it. All of it. All right. Has anyone got any more news? No. No. All right. Should we move on from news to this week's listener question? Which no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> are, you there for are, you, are you on drugs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the podcast. Like that will never are you on drugs? Um, let us do. Let us do this week's reviews, and let's begin this week. I think with Severance, uh, and this one is Apple's latest show, and this takes an altogether different approach to, I guess, not taking your work home with you. Uh, and so this sees employer Lumon sever the memories and the consciousness of their employees completely separating their professional and personal lives. So they literally can't tell the difference between their waking lives and dreams. <laughs> what um, is that? That is Oscar Isaac. <laughs> oh, yes. Sorry. See, Boyd, as someone yeah. who listens to the Empire Podcast, I'm very disappointed you didn't know what that was. Sorry, yeah. um, I apologise. Yeah. But no, so this is this is absolutely true. So, I mean, I guess, Beth, the question I have for you is, did this make you want to sever your waking life from dreams? <laughs> or did you, in fact, quite enjoy it? Ah, uh, It was... So, so Ben Stiller directed did. A, a big number of these. Um, I don't really recognise many of the other creative team behind it, but obviously it's a big thing for him. And I didn't see his show with Patricia Arquette, but I've heard it's incredibly good and we'll probably seek that out uh, instead of this. <laughs> uh, I love Adam Scott. I think he's always incredibly... He's he's the nice guy you don't want to punch in things. Um, it's his whole shtick. And he kind of continues down that route here. It is incredibly well made. That is Apple money and Ben Stiller attached to a project kind of money. It is stuff that I've already seen before is my kind of in with this. So as soon as I saw the opening segments, where it opens almost like with like a, a kind of, it's not a cold open, but it opens in a, in a very fractured way yeah. with um, Britt Lauer, who plays uh, Helly on a, on a table in a room and she's being interviewed by Adam Scott's character. Um, and you're as disorientated as she is, basically. She wakes up on the table, you know, has no idea where she is, what's going on, and then his voice comes over the intercom. And I just saw that it's got this beautiful kind of 70s aesthetic to it. And I was like, oh, so this is what I've just seen in Archive 81, basically, and what I've seen in Legion. And it, it kind of works very much in that aesthetic. It's very kind of sterilised kind of workplace. But yeah, very reminiscent of a different era. And then it's this kind of mystery where uh, Adam Scott's character is is sort of his his best friend who he works with uh is mysteriously kind of let go and then reaches out to him and and that's when he starts to kind of unravel and doesn't really know 
who he is anymore. And and I didn't watch past the first. No, I watched the second episode of this. That's a light. And he starts to embark on this quest to kind of find out who his employers are, who he is as in person. Is he a bad person? Is this why this has happened to him? Um, why is Helly, you know, making him feel things he perhaps hasn't felt up until now? Um this might just be me. It's probably just me. You know, I'm not good with the maths and the logistical thinking. <laughs> I found this really fucking confusing. I found this storyline. I, I, I just didn't quite... Hearing you just go through... James explained the concept to me was actually really helpful. <laughs> like, God help me. Uh, just like that kind of elevator pitch version of what it was because it's very conceptual. It's very cerebral. Um, it's got a great cast. John Turturro is in this. Uh, Zach Cherry, Christopher Walken's in it. And again, dressed in these beautiful kind of old kind of 1970s uniforms. It's got a very clean look to it. Really beautiful kind of Wes Anderson palette as well. Even the font's beautiful, man. Like, <laughs> you know it's great if the if this series has got like a beautiful font. So you know that a lot of hard work and a lot of money's going into this as well. But I've just seen this all before. Um, and it didn't challenge me in a way that felt especially new or riveting and it probably didn't do me any favours that I have just seen Archive 84 which is obviously from a completely different in fact it jumps all over the place with the eras but the aesthetic um, especially when the protagonist goes out to this kind of Axe Garland style house is is very kind of similar so it's it's got his heart in the right place, I think. I do love Adam Scott. But even here, he seems quite sterile and distraught. And I know that's supposed to be a trait of his character. But I've just seen what else he's got to give. And we don't see that in this performance. Or you don't see it yet. Yeah, so that's 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 kind of where I am mm. with this. It reminds me a bit of Submarine as well, which makes sense because Ben Stiller was obviously a, a producer on, on Richard Iowadi's Submarine. That kind of same, you know, it seems very tethered to a different era. And maybe it is. Uh, I haven't really seen too much else about, about the storyline. But yeah, essentially... It didn't really make me laugh. It didn't really make me contemplate my my existence. It didn't. It just didn't really, yeah, challenge or inspire, excite me in any way. Really, mm. I was dreading this going in, like yeah. properly dreading it. Why? I think it's partly because like it? I associate Adam Scott with comedy, and uh, <laughs> so I initially thought I thought yeah. this could be some fucking goofball shit that I'm going to have to solve. And so I genuinely went into this and I deliberately had avoided the trailers and everything for this. So it's been a weird blind spot for me, this show has. because so I thought I can deal with one Apple-S show. Like I've already done Suspicion. Severance is kind of was weirdly in that shadow. And then this started and I was like, that, like that arresting open you talk about I was like this is fucking weird I'm like but this is weirdly fascinatingly weird and as the the more this episode went on this first one I, I kind of got more and more sucked in by it and I was like at the end I was like I think I might love this oh like, my god I was like I don't know quite why but it's just like so it is it's not without humour but humour is unspeakably deadpan but but there is humour there but it's not it's not a comedy not that we need to label things obviously Boyd but <laughs> It's not a comedy. It has deadpan humour, but just the weirdness of it unspooling and just the idea, because obviously we talk about big companies and big tech, especially like eclipsing people's lives, both with and without their, you know, their employee structures. But the idea here of that idea of actively severing your mind so that your work life and your home life are fundamentally like they are different personalities, mm. different people with different experiences. And I just found the concept of that quite captivating. The idea that like, so his work self is someone who never ever leaves the office all that person knows is work and what that would do to a psyche 
if your entire life was work in this very sort of sterilized bleach, you know, very corporate environment. And it's all, and you know, it's super weird as well. And and then he at home, because obviously he's recently bereaved, which is why he's decided to undergo this procedure, you know, he's got this other life where it's just being listless at home and grieving. And that in itself fascinated me, the idea of this is And they have this, frankly, quite twee conversation about it over dinner, which doesn't really, deliberately doesn't really probe it properly. But that I really liked. And then, of course, there's a mystery at the heart of it and there's a conspiracy. And it's just so fucking weird. Like, <laughs> but in the best way, and Patricia Arquette is brilliant and this is kind of like his boss's boss, this sort of upper management person. And... Weirdly, parts of this had a real echoes of Counterpart to me. Just, and I don't know if you guys, did you watch all of mm, Counterpart? Not all of it. And but, you know, like when yeah. they talk about, like, uh, what's referring to, but essentially the, the management, they talk to management. Yeah. And again, it's like that slightly where the technology feels very old school and management communicates just through this box. You don't see them, you just hear from them. And it's like, I, 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 I like that idea, this sort of faceless corporate structure, these overlords there. And I really want to know what happens with this. So, uh, yeah, mm. against all probability and odds... I am surprised. I was really, really... Mm. I really enjoyed it. Oh, it was great. I'm kind of halfway between the two of you. I, I, I mean, the production design is fucking out of this world. Yeah. It is inc- incredible. But I agree with you, Beth, that I've seen a lot of that. I mean, you think of the classic scene in the apartment where Jack Lemon, you see Jack Lemon in, in his in his in the kind of sterile work yeah. office, mm-hmm. that fantastic shot of him, famous shot of him with all the desks looking all the same, it's white. I mean that, you know, alone is like a big influence clearly on this. And even the office space, you know, that that brilliant film. There was another film I'm thinking, I can't remember the name of this, but what about kind of fascist office life? And it's definitely and it's tapping into all that, but it doesn't feel original. The central idea is intriguing. But I have to say, right now, I found it quite irritating as well. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure. I think I'm going to... I also want to know how it resolves at the end. This is an eight episode. Mm. Though, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to... For- I, to some extent, I'm going to have to force myself and to And the first watch. one was an hour. First one was an hour. I think there were subsequent ones, yeah. around an hour. I watched, I've watched most of episode two as well. Maybe even all of it. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but there's something about it that is really chilly. I mean, it's literally chilly. I mean, the the, the whole office place is white, and then you go yeah. out into the world, and that's snowy and yeah. cold. It's a yeah. beautiful cinematography. Oh, it looks like, fantastic. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's brilliant yeah. sort of like drone shot of the car park. It's like the car just reverses yeah. out, yeah. and it just has that really bleak, oppressive feel. It's, but it's, it is bleak, and you're right that um, uh, Patricia Arquette is fantastic, yeah. and the contrast between her work persona and and her, her home is persona. Fantastic. Yeah. That is that was like there are bits of it like that that I go, oh, that's great that's really clever there, there are other bits where I think it's really clunky like the dinner party chat I thought was like I don't think it would work like that it's not organic isn't it it's not it's believable inor- but it's not again I thought that felt to me like a choice rather than an yeah, error right it's very it's very heightened and self-consciously yeah. stark and you know kind of profound we're making big profound comments about work the work life balance of you know in our life and i think you know it, i think there is a really interesting thing that it's saying about i mean it's kind of like the logical conclusion of the way our lives are mm. kind of ruined often people's lives are ruined by oppressive work atmosphere and all of that so i think it's got really interesting things to say i just find i'm finding it oppressive and i think yeah. that is the point i think yeah. you're right but equally to the point where i'm not kind of enjoying <laughs> do you it. want eight hours i'd of rather have what you said originally <laughs> which is this wacky comedy. Uh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's a thriller. Yeah. It's, it's quite an intense psychological thriller. And by all accounts, like as it goes on, it becomes so unbearably tense, some yeah. of this. Like, some of the reviews I've it's read It's got very good reviews episodes, in America, yeah. But it's really super tense. Yeah, I mean, I think I probably will carry on watching it, but almost against my own will. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
I, yeah, I just, I'm just, this was a pleasant surprise for me. Just a pleasant surprise. Mm. But as you said, like in terms of people, like Christopher Walken, John Turturro, like it's, Patricia Arquette, so many good people in there. Yeah, like it is so good. But again, it's it's interesting. And I like the fact that the way it opens. And to be fair to 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 Britt Lower, like she plays that incredibly she's well. She's brilliant as well. Like, really, really good. Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I that opening just seized me from the get-go. Oh, it was a very clever opening. Really sort you of You can see, yeah, because the fact the guy who wrote the script, we were talking, it hasn't really done much before. I was looking at it, looking him up. Dan Erickson created it. And he really, he'd written kind of like, you know, quite bad, kind of almost like reality comedy shows <laughs> in the past. So this is his first big thing. And you can say that opening scene is very clever and very interesting. So you yeah. can see how that would, people would go, exactly just go, oh, yeah, this, this is fantastic. But I think it builds like, it's not one of these where you get that opening and then it doesn't never really lives up to that promise. Sure. I actually feel like it does because it, it revisits it very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And you clever, see exactly yeah. what that is. And there's a bit with a fire door. And again, it's very quirky, but but also slightly sinister. And it brings to mind a little bit of the, you know, I've obviously talked about counterpart, but there's a lost element to it, just to bring back lost again. It has a, an element of that Dharma initiativeness to it, where, <laughs> where it just feels very <laughs> yeah. clinical and slightly mysterious and sort of with conspiracies run through it. It's yeah. just, yeah, it, it's fascinating. It, t- it tickled all those right little notes, I thought. Mm. Good. Anyway, Severance then, which is on Apple TV Plus beginning on the 18th of February. Next up, we have Bel Air, which, as we discussed, is the reimagining of the 90s staple, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, in which all the comedy is stripped out, which sounds ideal for me, uh, leaving nothing but the drama. Uh, this is, of course, based on the, if you saw it, the Morgan Cooper 2019 short, which has some fun with that exact same premise. Uh, and this one's been exact produced by both Cooper and Will Smith himself. So, Boyd, Bel Air. Or Belen. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? A bit while you were, as you were saying about severance that you were dreading, I was dreading this. because really? Yeah, because I have quite fond memories. I mean, I wasn't an obsessive fan of the Frenchman's of Bel Air, but it was definitely a thing I would watch quite frequently on BBC Two. I mean, it was yeah. quite kind of tea time. It BBC the, Two It sitcom. was The Simpsons, and then it would right. be Frenchman's of Bel Air, and right. then Tuesdays it was Buffy, yeah, 6.45. There you go. And... You know, it was a very, it was a kind of sweet, often, you know, it was a great show and it, it made Will Smith a star, obviously. I don't need to go into any of this. But then the idea then that this random guy um, would make, the fan basically, Morgan Cooper, would make this online, have this online thing that went mm. viral, suggesting this is what it would be like, almost in a jokey way, if if, if Freshman's of Bel-Air was done as a dramatic thriller on yeah. TV, it would be weird, wouldn't it? And then Will Smith's coming and go, oh, hold on a minute, let's actually do it. The whole story is so extraordinary and kind of ridiculous that I was like, well, do I really want to see a serious, in quotes, you know, um, uh, James Dyer-friendly version <laughs> of the French bits of Bel-Air. I'm not sure I do. And yet, I think this is a fucking triumph. I I think in every like Jabari Banks first of all as the Will Smith character who is called Will Smith kind of somehow channels Will Smith's energy yeah. and vibe brilliantly. He's kind of got the look a bit, but he just completely is, and yet he's completely a believable character in yeah. his own right. Who we first off see in Philadelphia on the streets, and he ends up pulling a gun on a basically a local kind of thuggish guy, and you know he's and it's instantly saying you know young black men in America face this. Kind kind of thing in their daily lives if they're working class you know not privileged middle class or wealthy then this is the reality this is mm. certainly could, can be the reality of their daily lives and how do you deal with it how do you avoid avoiding you know having to resort almost instantly to violence it can be really difficult so you're instantly like I, I was instantly on his side so I think he's re- his performance is great then when he moves to Bel Air in California 
the whole thing is they've done a brilliant job making it seem authentic and real and believable and tackling instantly like in the first episode there's a really interesting scene where he goes to the jit to the um locker room mm-hmm. and there are these absolute doofuses um jocks and it's white jock prince of bellends those they ones. are the french yeah. prince of bellends there we are right they're the bellends of bellair um <laughs> and this white jock guy sings does a rap thing where he says the n-word repeatedly and will smith is furious and yet will smith that carlton his cousin is fine with it and he's because these are his mates these are his privileged mates and there's a whole discussion a literal discussion about should white privileged wankers be allowed to use the n-word and, I, and it sounds kind of um very um it sounds quite quite an obvious thing to address and it sounds quite kind of, you know, unsubtle for it to deal with that. But the way it deals with it is completely believable, I thought. The discussion was very interesting and kind of, I went with it, kind of really well written. And then, towards the end, it takes this kind of um, poetic turn where the last thing, which I won't give away, but it's basically, well, it's it's around a a swimming pool party and it kind of goes quite poetic and imaginative and almost fantastical. I'm like, this is a really ambitious, I'm going to use the B word as I always do, bold, Um, is it lavish? Swinging for the fences, is that the phrase? Yeah. It is lavish, uh, because the lavish life house in Bel Air is very believable. And, you know, the, the, his his other cousin, the young the, the girl who's got her own, you know, Instagram, and she's, a, she's, a, she's an influencer, she would be, because she's a wealthy, privileged type. And yeah. she's, all, it all rang true. I thought it was really well written, kind of brilliantly acted. Jimmy Akinbola, British guy playing, who the guy who was the butler in the original is now the house Jeffrey. manager, yeah. Jeffrey. A really clever, he still kind See, of is the butler he feels like more like a Ray Donovan type like a fixer right he's a fixer but he does actually is expected to take Will's cases up to his room as well but he's so kind of subtly disdainful Mm. that he is brilliant I love Jimmy Akinbele he's a really uh, lovely guy he was in the tower recently that that, which we we reviewed so I'm completely down with the show I think it's a fucking triumph Um, and I was absolutely dreading it originally so I I was I was also sceptical I hadn't seen the short film but I was a bit like it is going to take quite a lot to be able to pull this off in a way that doesn't feel like it's trying to be really really tough and hard for the sake of it um, and then two things changed my mind firstly the trailer which was like oh okay they've they put some real money behind this it looks amazing at the very least and it doesn't look too too over the top even <laughs> the very unsettled references to Fresh Prince of Bella where he's like oh you're from West for the Dove and he's like yep born and raised and I was like <laughs> I see what you've done there but (laughs) it was it didn't make me want to gag so that was great and then also and I implore you if you're having a bad day to go and watch this the way in which Jabari Banks found out he got the part was Will Smith Video timed yes. uh, FaceTimed yes. him, video video timed him. <laughs> oh, oh all right, Nana. <laughs> I've got you on the video <laughs> time. Nice video. I've got Nana's dress on today. Um, but he FaceTimes him to tell him he's got the job, and it is it is such a joyful, sweet moment having Will Smith's goofy face come up and be like, "You're gonna be me," and he's like joking it. So it's very. Mm. Well, he doesn't say that because he's not a girl from Swindon, but. <laughs> <laughs> You're joking. I'm not being funny. <laughs> In West Country, wow. born and raised. Yeah. Um, no, it's very sweet. So that put me on the right foot. And then, yeah, and then this, this had me instantly. And I, I think it's very tough to get the kind of surrealist elements in a show like this. It's what's pissing me off about euphoria at the moment mm. but it starts with surrealism it ends with surrealism but it is so well done and then the rest of it just feels incredibly authentic not quite an after school special which is again something I've been anticipated wonderful chemistry between 
Jabari Banks and every single actor who's in this, I think, from mm, his yeah. mum, who really is just trying to do the the best thing for him in this. Um, and it really does, <laughs> gives that theme song story like a whole life of its own in a super interesting way. A real standout for me was Coco Jones as Hillary, who is obviously in, in the comedy, is very bratty and, you know, unrelatable and kind of charmless I guess but in this is great she's a kind of a social media entrepreneur again in a way which didn't make me want to throw myself out window like she's really fun and like has a whole lot of life and energy to her and is very they're all very aware of who they are apart from Carlton who's a real piece of shit but is supposed to be and does that part very 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 well um yeah I thought this was great I thought the soundtrack was really authentic and you can tell that there's been a lot of consultation on everything and yeah I think he is he is such the the casting is fantastic Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have seen it any other way because obviously Will Smith is very involved behind the scenes with a lot of his projects as well so you know I trust him with with (laughs) not his film choices sometimes but certainly with things that he kind of ties his name to and he's great like you say he's got that goofiness to him but there's some really emotional like there's some real emotional heavy lifting he has to do as well and he smashes it and I'm thrilled you, it is the case that you do want something like this to to pull itself off and do really well, and it and it does <laughs> pull itself off. <laughs> the Fresh Prince I mean, has pulled himself off. Wow. I mean, maybe in a later episode, you know. perhaps. Yeah, perhaps oh it will happen. Yeah, it's an adult show. It's an adult show. James, it's fine. No, like, I thought it was good. I think it was great. I think Jamari Banks is brilliant, not mm. just because he plays it very well, but also he feels exactly like Will Smith with the sitcom taken out of him. Like he has that kind of energetic, sort of slight headstrong arrogance, but also very likable. And I think it, it plays on that thing that Fresh Prince always did, whereas it used the sitcom format to have interesting discussions. There were always quite big themes in Fresh Prince. It dealt with a lot of those kind of, because the whole thing is about social mismatch mm. you know yeah. and and this does that too as you say in the first episode alone it has some pretty big discussions in there the only thing i would say about this a little bit is if you take away the fresh prince of bel-air if you take away all of that if you erase that show from history and have this stand on its own it feels like a cw drama like it, oh, it, it, no, I, no it does no it does no, you're wrong it does it's got though. the whiff of the cw about it oh. and i feel like even that that's not a bad thing like I, i've got a lot of time for cw shows i've watched a great many of them in my time um but i feel like without that there it's fine it's good it's okay but i don't think there's anything outstanding i think it's it's the it's the clever Gimmick isn't the word, but it's the clever conceit here that maybe elevates it above what it actually is, which is, you know, a teen-ish mm, fish out of water drama. No, I think it's better. You know, it's, no, it's, it's, it's the OC in Bel Air. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't feel that this has well, the maybe OC the... was an exceptional one of those. Perhaps. So, yes, okay. Yeah, it, 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 that's absolutely think, true. Yeah. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, I think the performance is better here. I think the performance yeah, exactly. is in this. Yeah, very, I think the filmmaking. I think the way it's shot and it's, it's, it's I think it's better I think you're underestimating it I think, yeah, I think yeah with been, a, <laughs> yes you are <laughs> but like I say I, I, I enjoyed it I just did not love it and it's not as good as the essay um, well indeed uh, Bel Air then uh, season one does begin on the peacock which is on the sky uh, on 14th of February which is Valentine's Day which is today Ooh, as we go out but not as we record yes correct <laughs> 
Finally this week, we have One of Us is Lying. Uh, this is another Peacock show, uh, one that debuted in the US last year, but which comes to Netflix this week, confusingly not Peacock. <laughs> but sure, why not? Um, this this one kind of just rather deliberately riffs on John Hughes' The Breakfast Club, putting a brain, a jock, a princess, a basket case, and a criminal in detention, and then, you know, promptly killing one of them uh, and turning it into a murder mystery. Beth... Did you forget about this? <laughs> I wish I could. Oh, yeah. so pleased I with that. I am I very could. pleased yeah. with that one. Yeah, yeah. This show feels like it's been created by a group of adults who just emerged into the world as adults <laughs> and have never experienced what it was even like to be a child. Not only like 10, 20 years ago, but ever. This was this this was pretty fucking dreadful this was pretty fucking dreadful so I mean it, yeah it's got that riffing on Breakfast Club but then you chuck in an incel basically who's the one that gets killed and apparently we're supposed to feel quite yeah. bad for him so basically the, the premise is it starts with this kind of ugly toxic gossip girl who's yeah. kind of blasting the school on whatever they're then outdated social network is and saying that he's got juice on all of these people and he's going to release it um, and it ranges from kind of criminal activity to kind of like cheating on exams I think is one of them he's got he's got dirt on all of them basically digitally and he's going to leak it because that's his own horrible sense of like warrior cubal warrior justice whatever the fuck it is I don't know I care. and then <laughs> so they all get thrown in detention for for reasons that were probably orchestrated he dies and then it comes down to which one of them done it and I oh, I just didn't care, care. just could not care less <laughs> this is just this is just inexcusable young adult writing at this stage I think when you think about all oh, the other stuff out there is so much better. This is just boring. All yeah. of the cult- hey, fellow kids. Yeah, yeah. So it's written by Steve Buscemi in in the Thirty Rock. This is even like there's a there's a really fucking there's a moment where two of them are riding on a motorcycle to Florence and the Machine, and he's like, I remember when you played Florence and the Machine at a recital, and I'm like, do the people making this? Either think that this Florence and the Sheen is still relevant now, or is it the horrifying oh my God, aren't they? realization oh, that no, boy, you haven't had there the new Phil Collins are actually perennially <laughs> cool, oh, steady. No way as cool as Phil Collins. <laughs> But then I had this like shocking realization, like, oh my god, is Florence in the Machine now like a like a date, like a pop reference from another era? <laughs> is that where we are now? It's like, remember Florence and the Machine? And I, like, oh, it's just fucking dull. Even like, there's the kind of like prissy blonde like girl. You can kind of at least you can expect her to be kind of savage and funny and like you know you wrote as McGowan's Sarah Michelle Gellar's in like. I know what you did last summer. She's dull as, oh, so dull. Everyone's super dull. <laughs> it's like they've had the edges just smoothed down to the point where these like faceless, horrible cliches, it's like oversaturized. It's clearly made with kind of like a social media audience in mind. Um, writing's terrible. The performances, <laughs> they could be talented a bunch, but you couldn't tell because the dialogue is so fucking bad. Um, and the storylines feel like they belonged in Grange Hill like 20 years ago. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really fucking bad. Doesn't it make you value euphoria? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did. I sat there thinking, I sat there watching. I mean, you're right, it's shit. Yeah. But I did sit there thinking, you know what, it's hard 
part of, this shows you why, why Euphoria is so special despite all its flaws I feel and like all it its... opposite ends of the prism though man it's like yeah, that but... and then it's Euphoria right. and at least you get a few decent bits in but it's, between it's trying to be you know or even like 13 Reasons Why and this is like 13 yeah. Reasons Why meets Breakfast Club meets you know um, Gossip Girl yeah. m- you know meets Euphoria bitch trying to be edgy but kind of doesn't go far enough not at all like kind of you know so it's got like and it, it every character is a stereotype and it's Horrible. everything the, the, the closeted um, jock the um, the kind of drug dealer who's oh. like a bit California looking long uh, or, or every single character is a stereotype um, and you're right the dialogue is kind of like faux um, like pop culture trends. there's a reference to Ronan Farrow in there somewhere You're like a teenage Ronan Farrow one of the characters says I'm like anyone going to say that um, yeah that is yeah. a line from episode one um, and I just yeah just not believe a second of it um, it's so contrived in the sense of the opening voiceover which is the gossipy girl, gossipy girl, gossip girly bit. <laughs> and then when it turns into this like big mystery, that's e- even more contrived um, and unbelievable. And yeah, it's it's very interesting. The most interesting thing about it in the end is that it's a peacock show, touching upon what we've been talking about recently. It's not ending on peacock. up on Netflix here. <laughs> Netflix completely ignoring it. I mean, this wasn't mm. even on, I mean, this is very inside baseball again. Ne- Netflix Media Center has a list of the shows. It wasn't even on that list, let alone the list we get sent in a week saying these are the shows coming up on Netflix. This is like the I do not give a flying shit about the show, <laughs> apart from acquiring it. Why did they from buy Peacock. it? <laughs> I, I, I guarantee, this is my point. I guarantee you this will be in the top 10. This will probably be number one on the day, on Friday, yeah. when it arrives on Netflix. Because it's kind of got a tantalizing, you know, it's kind of sexy teens doing dangerous things with I, a bit of murder. Okay. And from the trailer, you'd think, oh, this is pretty decent. I'm going to watch this. And then you watch it and it's. I have not. a question. Yes. And obviously, I've leaned into this with the introduction <laughs> because I'm a hack that way. But, you know, the premise of this, like they even the official synopsis is a brain, an athlete, a princess, a criminal, and a basket case walk into detention, but only the first four make it out alive. Now, that is 100% the logline when they fucking pitch this thing. It's a breakfast club, but one of them gets killed and it's a murder yeah. mystery. Except... This has nothing to do with The Breakfast Club. It's not like The Breakfast Club. It's not well, there's remotely detention. connected. There's, there's, there's a detention. detention. <laughs> but it, but that's a small part of the first episode. James, naive. That's, that's, there's a oh, small that's part of the first episode. It's not like that's the whole yeah, thing. Of it's this tiny moment. So there is nothing about this that's even remotely similar to The Breakfast Club. And that even the poster for this is styled on The Breakfast Club poster. And, it's, but, and they've leaned into this comparison. But there is no similarity here on any level. There's on any detention. level. But the, detention. I'm not justified. I'm saying that... Are you obviously they're going to take that but and it's, obviously, it's annoyed me so much that they, they clearly pitched it as this oh, they've yeah. modelled it after this they've leaned into the marketing of it like this and yet there is absolutely no yes. base comparison between the two yes. things whatsoever yes. it's like if you dress a cow up in a strawberry costume it's a fucking cow it's not a fucking <laughs> strawberry that's a weird analogy that but you see what I'm analogy. saying I love it that's a great analogy <laughs> we have gone off right. I don't know what's happening podcast. but yeah. I'm just saying you know it's ridiculous yeah. and it just that really annoyed me but that they have marketed it as this breakfast club thing you know and frankly the audience this is for probably haven't seen the breakfast club anyway and I just yeah no is, is don't you forget about me on the trailer I don't know I haven't seen it I don't probably think like so slow down yeah. oh my god like yeah. an awful Lord cover yeah. Yeah. yeah oh god yeah you're right oh, no just just, just 100% no this was dreadful yeah. uh, I did not enjoy it in any way on any level but it ended and that was good yeah anyway <laughs> One of Us is Lying comes to Netflix on the 18th of February, so you can find it there. Um, What else is out this week, Boydie? Um, Well, 
I'll tell you. Go on. I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through it. Please there's, do. There's, you know, there's a three-part Kanye um, documentary that starts on Wednesday, the 16th. Oh, hold me back. Genius. <laughs> Genius, as in J-E-N-Y-U-H-S. I almost mentioned, because I forgot about this, I almost tried to get us to review it. And no, I got no. I would no. love to see James reviewing. No, no. Kanye, Genius, a Kanye trilogy, Wednesday, the 16th on Netflix. It's quite a big deal, but yeah. Um, Young Wallander on Friday on Netflix. Killer yeah. Shadow, the second season, second season of Young Wallander, which was all right. It was fine. Um, Traces, season two, starts an alibi on Tuesday yeah. the 15th. That was the Molly Windsor. Was that Martin- the one with the toaster? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Forensic, the one with the flaming toaster. Forensic crime drama, Martin Compton and a toaster. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's yes. back. That's I pretty, yeah, it's pretty yeah. decent. Okay. It's you right. have to be there. Marvelous, uh, Marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel. Yes, season back, four. With a non-Jewish Rachel Brosnahan as the Jewish stand-up. <laughs> yes. Uh, season four. you really feel boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just saying, in passing. Um, and Space Force season two. Oh, God, yes. I know, but I quite like Space Force. Mm. It was absolutely stupid. I did not enjoy Moronically it. Moronically stupid, yeah. but I did enjoy it. Steve Carell and John Malkovich. You can't go wrong. I mean, you can go wrong. You can, and they did, but on. Maybe. Um, and I wanted to mention there's a Louis Theroux, which actually started on Sunday, a three-part Louis Theroux, him in America, uh, Forbidden America, and it's really good. I've seen them. They're fantastic. There's okay. one about rap music, there's one about the porn industry, and the other one is about right-wing kind of online crazes, which is the first one, and it's great. So that's, yeah, I wanted to mention that. I think I've covered it all. Okay. <laughs> Our pick of the week then. Uh, Bel Air for me. Um, yeah, I agree. Bel Air. I would go severance. Yeah. I would definitely go severance. But that's fine. We we, we can have a split vote. That's all good. Uh, so that's it, I guess. Then for this special Valentine's Day edition of the Pilot TV podcast, <laughs> using a Christopher Nolan-esque structure, the likes of which I've never seen before and hopefully we will never see again. But uh, if you enjoyed this Valentine's Day podcast, do show us your love by leaving us a glowing five-star review, possibly accompanied by flowers and or a selection of chocolates. Um, if you haven't already, then do follow us at Pilot TV Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for weekly recommendations and an updated watch list. Uh, and you can find us individually at James C. Dyer, at Beth K. Webb, and at Boyd Hilton. Next week, well, what we do, we'll be up to our eyes in terrible canutes as the Norsemen return in Vikings Valhalla. I am really looking forward to that one. Skull. Uh, yes, that should be pretty good. Are you, are you, are you excited, Beth? You, you psyched at the idea of Vikings Valhalla. I thought it was somehow that it was Northman, which is the Robert Eggers film. No, I mean, you yeah. may get to see that as well, but you will be watching Vikings Valhalla. Oh, will I? Okay. Yes, that's coming to Netflix, and uh, I'm very excited for it. But uh, but time now for this week's listener questions. And uh, this question comes to you from... <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. This question comes from Boyd, and it's just, please, can I leave? Um, that's it. Pilot out. <laughs>